Hi, everybody. This is Stefan Molyneux from Free Domain Radio. If there are any of you out there left with ears to hear, a mind to process, and a spine to stand up, you need to listen to this, the burying of Europe and the end of the future of freedom. Currently, the world is experiencing a level of human displacement that has not been seen since World War II. Since Q1 of 2014, compared to Q2 of 2015, there's been an 86% increase in the amount of people who are claiming asylum in Europe. In the first quarter of 2015, 185,000 people sought asylum in the EU. Kosovars, Syrians, and Afghans made up half of these asylum seekers of people, of course, fleeing unrest and conflict around the world. Germany is getting 40% of these migrants, of these asylum seekers. Why? It's right in the middle of Europe, not close to any of these other Middle Eastern countries. But, of course, they are terrified of being called xenophobic Nazis, and so they have a very liberal application process for mm, refugees. So, for instance... For every single asylum applicant by a Syrian to the UK over the past year, Germany has received 27. The German government had assumed 450,000 of these um, refugees would apply. In Germany in 2015, which was more than twice the number last year, it has now revised its estimates from 450,000 to 800,000 Middle Eastern refugees, almost four times last year's total as well, of course, some from Eastern Europe. German politicians say that um, this has to involve the whole of EU, the whole of the EU. It can't be right, they say, that Spain and Poland and France or Britain take so few refugees. And uh, they are shocked, shocked, that Slovakia would prefer to exclude Muslims from asylum. Instead, the EU, they say, must agree to a new deal, in which member states share the burden. Now, there is, of course, the reality that people who want more government tend to like refugees, particularly those who come from countries without a strong tradition of limited government, i.e. non-European, non-Commonwealth countries. They like those people because those people vote to expand the state. On the other hand, major industry, big business, also likes an endless flow of low-rent refugees to continue to drive down the price of labor in their home countries. um, So industry leaders in Germany have said, ah, for asylum seekers, we should really let them work. And um, one thing you'll notice is that people who talk about how important refugees are, how important immigrants are, how wonderful they are for the economy, they're never the people who are actually competing with those Immigrants. So the CEOs go out and say, immigrants are great. But that's because the immigrants from, say, Syria, they're not competing with those CEOs. Reporters go out and say, ah, they're great, these immigrants. But of course, it's not like immigrants from Kosovo are going to compete with the anchor position for the evening news. So immigrants, great, just as long as they don't actually compete with the job that you do. But the people who are actually harmed by the influx of cheap labor, well, they... Why would they get a voice? Now, Germany, of course, uh, has the lowest, at least um, among the non-immigrant population, Germany has the lowest replacement rate in the world, lower than 
Japan. And that's really not the kind of company you want to keep. So there's this belief that the country, the country uh, is getting old, and so we need immigrants because the aging vampires of the socialist welfare state need fresh, new, spicy blood to suck on. Otherwise, they'd actually have had to save, fight for freedom, or continue to work into their dotage. So come on in, immigrants. We need fresh blood. Grandpa needs some corpuscles. So, yeah, sorry, younger Germans, it's a shame. You know, you might want to have kids, you know, because having kids is a wonderful thing. Sorry, you can't have kids. Because, you see, you have to pay for the 18,000 children from Syria that come in every second minute. So your taxes have to go through the roof. There's no money available for you to borrow and start your business because it's all getting hoovered up by the state. Sorry about that. It's a shame you can't enjoy parenthood and having your own children and having a community around you. Sorry about that. Because Syria. Does that sound like a wonderful deal to you? If you do feel that way, uh, you have no feeling in your legs because you are essentially a Teutonic jellyfish. It's not like Europe is in the position of having to beg. I mean, in Syria, one out of five people can't even read. One out of five people can't even read. One out of four women, more than one out of four women, they're illiterate. Illiterate! How's that going to go for your education system, Germany? Hey, hey, I got a great idea. Let's get huge tidal waves of highly traumatized, broken people who generally can't read, who don't speak our language, who have no history of the thousand-year massive mining experiment for human liberty known as the Western experience. Let's have them all come in. Because there's nothing that little Gunther isn't going to enjoy more than being completely swamped by non-German speaking people in his school. Boy, that's going to add up to a quality education for little G. I think not. Oh, no. Oh, no, you see, we all have to kneel before this new altar called diversity. Diversity. Because, you see, diversity is our strength. Because, you know, Lots of places, people really value diversity. See, it's not like these people are fleeing from an entirely monoculture. A lot of times they're fleeing from lots of fights. Lots of fights. Diversity is great when you have a rational methodology for resolving your disputes. Then we all love diversity. Differences, opinions, scientists, mathematicians, nutritionists, you name it. They can have a great time. Because they're not insane when it comes to resolving their disputes. Highly religious and superstitious people, though, mm, sorry, you don't get diversity, you get a bloodbath. Because they have no rational method of resolving their disputes. Diversity is great when people are sane. Do people from the Middle East respect diversity? Do they have really diverse cultures? Are they like, hey, we love atheism. What a fantastic perspective to bring. A lot of atheists in Europe. How's that going to happen when Europe turns into the Middle East? What's going to happen to you? Hello, Stumpy. Diversity, fine. Let's worship diversity. But what about the people who themselves do not worship diversity? Should they? 
be welcomed into a culture that worships at the fetish toe goddess of diversity? I had to say something. This, all this needs to be said. Let me tell you something. Oh, politicians of Europe, you need to listen to this and you need to listen to this good. Because this is how history is going to judge you. This is where the people put flowers on your tombstones or eat massive facefuls of Indian food and take a slow, squidgy, curry dump on your carved names. Because I think you're heading towards the latter outcome. See, oh, politicians of Europe, you have inherited a very powerful and very delicate set of China. And that set of China has been handed to you. This Savosky crystals have been handed to you from the dying blood of millions of people. And these crystals, these, these beautiful, fragile glass menagerie tabletop exhibits, things like freedom of association, things like, um, I don't know, freedom of the press. Let's say, let's go out on a limb. Respect for the equal rights and liberties of women. Oh, I don't know. How about letting women read? Oh, I got another one. How about universal property rights or a little thing called free trade? Or, at least in Europe, sadly not as much in North America, an opposition to hitting children, to traumatizing children. Uh, how about kind of a moral horror towards the idea of telling children that they're destined for hell or heaven? Uh, skepticism. Mm, that's a pretty juicy Western concept. Um, Somewhat under the umbrella of skepticism, but not still entirely unimportant in the larger human scheme of things, we got a little monosyllable called science. Science is a wonderful, beautiful thing. Now, diversity in science is great. Science and superstition, eh, not really very uh, good bed, bed, bedmates. Uh, equality before the law. This is another piece of wonderful, blood-soaked, beautiful crystal that took thousands of years to develop in the West. Oh, before I forget, uh, a little something called, there were these two Siamese twins, Siamese twins that generally had been uh, flipping through the nightmare landscape of human history with fang teeth sucking on the blood, and that was the union of the church and the state. <laughs> you may have heard of the religious wars of the 16th, 17th, and 18th centuries. Yes, they went on for quite a long time, and uh, they killed in some places about a quarter of the population of Europe. And that was the great golden blood-soaked goblet of future freedom called the separation of church and state. Go, you know, rifle through a couple of Middle Eastern languages. Look for the word secular. See if you find it there at all. See if you can explain what the separation of church and state is. I don't think that you'll really get much of an answer. So these are all wonderful, highly delicate, incredibly beautiful and powerful but easily broken gifts that the lives of tens of millions of people were sacrificed to achieve. You have these gifts. Let me tell you something. Oh, politicians of Europe, you have these gifts. You didn't earn these gifts. You didn't create these gifts. You have inherited these gifts from better men and women than you. And you do not have the right to squander them. For the sake of political correctness, you do not have that right. My grandfathers fought and died 
My family tree is missing three quarters of its limbs because of my Marshall family's history in going out and fighting for freedoms. You do not have the right to take the gifts that they bestowed from their dying, shattered hands and trample them and hand them off because you're afraid of being called words. You don't just trip over these freedoms. If, if, if you could trip over these freedoms, they'd be a little bit more commonplace in the world. These freedoms took, at a bare minimum within the West, 2,500 years to develop. You don't just snap your fingers and make them. Otherwise, a lot of other countries in the world would have done that. You're looking at the moon saying, hey, let's make a rainforest. It's not working. Let's snap harder. No, these things evolve and they, they feed sadly and tragically on the blood and bones of those sacrificed to feed them. So, like you inherit the public purse and you can't rape the next generation by putting them hugely into debt for the sake of buying votes in the here and now. Oh, sorry. You already did that, so let me give you something else. Uh, you inherit the environment. You know, we don't inherit the environment from our ancestors. We borrow it from our children. That is true. And you don't have the right to turn the environment your children have to grow up into into a toxic sludge of radioactive wasteland where they touch a rain puddle and turn into a Marvel monster, turn into an evil superhero villain head. Oh no, he touched a raindrop. It's pumpkin laser head. You don't have the right to despoil the environment that your children have to grow up in. And you do not have the right to sacrifice the hard-won liberties of the West that you have inherited and did not earn and must provide to those who come after you. I don't know if the birth rate has gone down so far in Europe that none of these politicians give a shit about the kind of world that their children are going to have to grow up in, but I do. I do. Are these migrants suffering? Yes, they are. Yes, they are. They absolutely are. But an excess of empathy is a sin and a crime. An excess of empathy is a sin and a crime. An excess of empathy is like living on dessert. Feels good in the moment, will kill you in the long run. If you want to help people from Syria, you want to help people from these countries, from Afghanistan and so on, fantastic, wonderful. Then here's what you do. You sponsor them, you invite them to come and stay in your home, and you keep them away from the taxpayers. Do not use the public purse to subsidize your own moral self-congratulation. Invite them into your house. Pay for them yourself. But do not burden the public purse. And maybe even you could actually get around to asking. The citizens of the countries that you rule owe European taxpayers. Just get around to asking them, hey, do you want this? Do you want 800,000 traumatized Middle Easterners to come swarming into your uh, locale? Yeah, because, you know, that's not something you're going to have to live for for, say, the next 10 generations or anything like that.
You inherited these blood-soaked freedoms. You do not have the right to destroy them. These rights are like fine crystal. They are delicate. They require uh, inculcation. They require indoctrination. They require that the rough and predatory edges of the human soul be sanded down by culture, by stories, by religion, by Christianity to some degree. Because we're still waiting for philosophy to take center stage. I'm working on it, though. These rites are fine crystal. And when all these people come in and they stampede, well, what happens to fine crystal when a bunch of bulls come through? You just end up with a lot of broken glass. Look, you can have, oh, America's a nation of immigrants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But America was a nation of immigrants when there was no welfare state. No welfare state, no free health care, no free old age pensions, no unemployment insurance. You get one or you get the other. You can have immigration in a free society or you have to restrict it like hell in a semi-socialist income redistributionist society. That's the only thing that you need to understand about this, aside from everything else that I'm about to say. That is your choice. The moment you set up coercive income redistribution through the state, boom! Up go the walls! You have to! That's one of the great tragedies of the welfare state. I'm not a fan of the welfare state, but that's what happens. You dismantle the welfare state. Great! Open the borders! But you can't have both. The history of your culture, the history of your country, the history of your tribe, it matters. It matters. You cannot get lots of people coming into your country from a vastly different and, in fact, oppositional culture. You cannot have those people come into your country and have your country remain the same. You just can't. There's a tipping point. If one person from New Jersey a year goes and moves to Japan, yeah, it's still pretty much Japan. However, if a million people a year move from New Jersey or America to Japan, guess what? It's not going to stay Japan. Slow immigration where uh, there's time for the dominant culture to absorb and to transfer the values from the dominant culture to the new culture, that works. But this massive immigration creates these self-enclosed biospheres of the original culture. And it prevents the original culture, which then moves, all all of the Middle Eastern culture that then moves into Germany... It is not even open to the kind of changes that may occur in the host country anymore, and it generally is sealed off from changes that are occurring. So it becomes this weird little cyst of, like, timelessness. Nothing changes. I knew friends that grew up, and their parents came from, say, Greece. And they came from Greece in the 60s. And then the Greek people who who moved to Canada in the 60s would go back to Greece and would have, wouldn't have any idea what was going on because they brought over this little bubble of 1960s Greece and it stayed there. It didn't change. Slow immigration can be done. Rapid immigration is very, very, very different. Rapid immigration changes the values of the host country, particularly when you have the welfare state and you have what is becoming quickly in the West an unlimited mob majority rule. People tend to vote along religious and ethnic lines So you get a giant voting block moving in that is hostile to the parent culture, that does not have the multi-thousand-year marination in these values. You know, ask the average person from Syria, hey, what's the Magna Carta? I don't know, maybe ask the average Westerner, I don't know what you mean. 
What are rights? What is the status of women? How should we raise children? They won't know, and their not knowing will overwhelm everything that you have learned. If you think that it's easy to transfer a culture, fine. If you think it's easy to transfer a culture to an amassed group of people who are hostile and alien to your own culture, which is the whole theory, oh, they can all come in, but then they'll become just like Germans. Really? Really? If you moved to Syria, would you become just like Syrians? I don't think so. If you move to Japan, are you going to become just like the Japanese? I don't think so. Especially if you continue to look different. It's a little easier to blend when you're camouflaged. It's not that easy to blend when you don't look the same. If you think it's easy to transfer cultures from values from one culture to another, go ahead. Go and do it in the Middle East. Take all of the wonderful, crystalline, beautiful, perfected, blood-soaked structures of freedoms the West has developed over multi-millennia. Take them over. Take them over to Iraq. Take them to Saudi Arabia. Take them to Syria. Take them to Lebanon. Take them, take them, take them. Off you go. Off to Iraq with you. Go make your speeches and go bring them your values. I think we know how that's going to go. Hello, Stumpy! God. Nobody has figured out how to transfer positive values from one group to another group when they've been separated by centuries of different religious beliefs, different political structures, different beliefs about gender, different beliefs about child raising, different beliefs about reality. Metaphysics are different between the West and the East. The nature of reality is different from the West to the East. Which is why Middle Eastern countries have contributed virtually nothing to science for... Yep, that's right, about 700 years. Hmm. Something significant about that. But it, could, it should be the easiest thing in the world. See, the West, Europe and the Commonwealth countries, they've kind of shown the world the way. You know, say for the last couple of hundred thousand years. You know what they say about a pill that cures something? Oh, that pill only costs 50 cents to produce. That's true. The second pill costs 50 cents to produce. The first pill costs $100 million to produce because you got to do all the testing and you got to get the approvals and so on. That first pill is kind of a bit of a doozy. First guy to invent the wheel, complete genius. Second guy says, oh, that's round. I could do that. It's a lot tougher to invent things than it is to copy them. Try making an ass from scratch versus sitting on a photocopier. One of those is tougher. And the West has shown the world how you build a society that everyone wants to get into. The last couple of hundred years, separate your church and state, freedom of association. A smaller government, originally the idea was, as you could get away with. Rule of law. Hey, that's a good idea. Equality before the law. Rights for women, equality for freedom. That's good stuff. Free trade, property rights. Objective contracts. Did I mention separation of church and state? I really feel like I can't mention that enough. The West has shown the world the way. It should be easy from here. 
We made the painting in the West for thousands of years. We labored on the giant tapestry called human liberty, economic success, stable societies. Yeah, there have been some exceptions. That's part of the fight. For thousands of years, we worked on this tapestry. Now it hangs visible to everyone. What does everyone else have to do? Not that tough. Go take a goddamn photograph. Click. Thousands of years of labor. Oh, my God. How are we going to do this? What's going to happen? Hey, just come and take a photograph of everything the West has done. Be nice if the West remembered it and enforced it a little bit more, too. But for the rest of the world, we already done it. We did it already. Come take the picture. Should be way easier. Oh, is that not happening? You find it impossible to integrate Western values, free values, rational values into your culture and society. You find that impossible with the Internet. Haven't been able to do it. Well, yeah, come on over then. Come on over. I'm sure you're going to integrate no problem. It's madness. There is no conceivable numeric and possible way to solve dysfunctional societies through emigration, through immigration, through migrants, through fleeing. It absolutely is impossible. There are too many goddamn people in the world. There are probably six billion people in the world who really want to come and live in Western countries. Can they fit in your basement? I doubt it. Can't be done. Got to draw the line somewhere. Can't be done. Can't be done. The West has shown people what needs to be done. I'm out here every day fighting the good fight, attempting to bring peace, freedom, reason, empiricism, skepticism, rational thinking to humanity. And most people don't listen. I hope that you're out there. I hope that you're listening to this. I hope that you care. Because I care. I care what kind of world my daughter is going to grow up and live in. I care that this dead crypt keeper hand of medievalism is now raking itself across the beautiful visage of Europe. I think that we owe our brothers and sisters around the world as much encouragement, as much passion, as much clarity, as much work, as much ethical thinking as humanly possible. As humanly possible. We do not owe them our cultures. We do not owe them our futures. We do not owe them the sacrifice of the freedoms that they come to enjoy, but which they're coming, will destroy. Will destroy. When the barbarians came to Rome, there was no Rome. To the migrants, I understand why you're coming. I absolutely, and in in your situation, I'd probably be trying to do exactly the same thing. But the countries that you want to come and live in did not become the countries you want to come and live in by running away, by fleeing, by cowering. The countries that you want to live in became the countries that you want to live in by turning, standing, and fighting.
your turn.